Hi, I'm Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton, and you're listening to Single High, a Notre Dame football podcast from UHND.com, the official home of the Kyle Hamilton fan club. And Greg Welcome to a solo edition of the Single High Notre Dame Football Podcast presented by UHND.com. I am Frank Fatovich, and I'm going to be your only host for this episode. Uh, so it's just going to be me talking to you all for the next, uh, I don't know, 45 minutes maybe. We'll, we'll see how long I'm able to ramble you know, on my own without my, uh, my trusty co-host Greg Flamong. Uh, if any of you have listened to our podcast over the last few weeks and months, you know that uh, I am just two weeks into fatherhood here, and time zones and schedules are not really making it too easy for Greg and I to both uh, both record. You know, midweek with Greg being on the uh, you know the West Coast, typically we we would record at you know ten thirty, eleven o'clock. You know, at night, uh, and we just post that thing in the morning uh, with uh, with the newborn in the house recording at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Uh, not that possible. Uh, it's also really hard to plan anything with, uh, with a newborn in the house because I'm sure all of the parents, uh, you know, the moms and dads listening know that uh, – you could have a really good schedule laid out, and uh, your little one can really uh, can really change that at a moment's uh, moment's notice. So I'm gonna be trying to do a solo one today. Uh, you know, I try. I was actually gonna do a solo one last week, but then uh, Ryan from uh, Her Loyal Sons was so kind once he saw my tweet, uh, you know, and volunteered to hop on with me, uh, and uh, and the two of us, uh, you know, talked before the uh, the USC game. But uh, here I am, uh, you know, solo. Solo today, recording on a Thursday, you know, afternoon where we got a, uh, a brief moment of, uh, you know, of a little bit of peace and quiet in the house. So I ran up to, uh, you know, to my office here to uh, to be able to record, uh, talk uh, talk a little Notre Dame football here. Uh, probably not going to dive too deep into USC at this point because most of that has been pretty well covered. But really going to talk about the North Carolina game coming up, you know, this weekend. Uh, and if you are wondering, uh, you know, I am keeping the beer streak alive, so I'm going to open that up right now. We're going to get uh, get to get a taste of a pretty good, I- well, hopefully a pretty good IPA here, and we're going to jump into uh, to the Notre Dame uh, North uh, North Carolina game. So here we go. Whew. All right, so this is called the strongest geometric shape from Barrier Brewing Co. I'm actually not sure where they are from. Uh, this was dropped off. By a friend of mine, uh, you know, a couple a couple weeks back now, who um, who saves one of every new beer he tries and uh, and and brings one and uh, brings one over to my house, and I do the the, the same uh, same for him. This is a triple IPA, clocking in at I think ten point two percent. So let's give this a little taste, and then uh, we'll jump right in. Mm. Uh, not bad, not bad. It's not the best triple uh, IPA I've ever had. Um, no, it's it's actually probably a responsible triple IPA though, because you can actually taste that it's 10 percent alcohol. The ones that get you in trouble are those 10, 11 percenters that you are like, ooh, that doesn't taste that strong. This one definitely tastes strong. So uh, this is gonna keep me, you know, keep me honest here, and I'll try to spread this uh, this beer out over the next, like I said, forty five minutes or so. You know, while we. Uh, while we're jumping into it, so let's get let's get going and let's uh, let's talk. You know the the week of Notre Dame football and, and kind of everything leading into the game. Uh, you know the game this weekend with North Carolina. You know coming to town. Uh, and before jumping into that, you know it's another night game. You know coming up back to back night games here for you know for Notre Dame. I think everybody kind of thought this was going to be a much bigger game. 
you know, when, uh, you know, when the times came out and when the schedules came out, you know, with North Carolina opening the season, you know, in the top 10, um, you know, before, you know, becoming, you know, probably one of the most disappointing teams in all of college football this year, at least relative to preseason, you know, expectations where, you know, where they were in the top 10 and now they're sitting here at, uh, you know, four and three kind of limping into, uh, you know, to, to Notre Dame, um, Notre Dame Stadium, uh, you know, this, this weekend. Uh, they are coming off a bye, so that that helps them. But the reason I wanted to bring up uh, the night game aspect is because, you know, last week, uh, you know, Notre Dame had uh, had a night game with hosting arch rival USC, and they introduced some interesting new, uh, you know, theatrics or, you know, elements to the game day atmosphere. They got talked about a lot, you know, this week by Notre Dame fans you know, Notre Dame, former Notre Dame players who were there, former Notre Dame players who saw some of the videos that Notre Dame, uh, you know, produced, uh, you know, showing this new uh, one you know, intro- introduction, you know, for the team where they are coming out to, uh, you know, to, to ACDC now and, you know, the lights go out, um, you know, for their, you know, for their entrance and they do kind of a new little, you know, animation. That was kind of a cool wrinkle, but I think the really big one was, the, you know, the one, between the uh, the third quarter and uh, you know in the fourth quarter, where they play you know all of the lights went out. They did the crazy light animation with uh, you know all of the lights uh, you know that song, um, and then uh, you know went right into uh, you know went right right into uh, you know the song again, asking everybody to uh, you know to jump uh, to jump up you know similar to uh, similar to uh, you know Wisconsin. With uh, you know, with their House of Pain, you know, third quarter into uh, into fourth quarter uh, into fourth quarter song. The reason I wanted to bring it up is because one, I loved it. Um, I was very jealous of everybody who was at that game, which coincidentally just I feel like was every uh, you know close Notre Dame friend of mine uh, who just happened to go all decide to go to the Notre Dame you know USC game. Uh, you know, just right around the time, the expected arrival date of, uh, you know, my first son. Uh, so obviously, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't even planned on going, uh, but then it was, it just it was very funny because it seemed like as we got closer and closer to the game, I kept finding out more of my friends were going. Uh, I had somebody reach out to me about 10 days, maybe before the, I think, I don't know, week, week and a half before, you know, before the game, I was like, Frank, I have, uh, you know, an extra ticket. I'd love for you to go with me. Um, so I got even got offered free tickets to go to this game. Could not go, obviously, you know, for, you know, for, for, for obvious reasons. But when I did see that, uh, you know, that, uh, that little animation during the, the telecast, I was like, well, damn, that looked, that looked pretty cool. I wonder, you know, just how cool it was. Then you started to see the fan videos come in. You started to see the videos that Notre Dame released and you were like, whoa, okay. That was pretty damn cool. Um, and the reason I bring it up is because it's just kind of the latest in a, you know, in a string of enhancements that, you know, that we've seen Notre Dame make, you know, over the last 10 years to try to, you know, to enhance the, the in-game experience at Notre Dame Stadium. Um, I mean, the, the, the falling uh, attendance numbers are no, you know, are no secret. The, the sellout streak, you know, stopped, you know, two years ago already. Uh, and then, you know, we've seen some really low attendance, uh, you know, to some of the games this year, obviously it's still not a normal year, uh, you know, for games, especially for, you know, a school like Notre Dame, uh, with a fan base that is so national, uh, you know, it requires travel to go to, to a Notre Dame game. There is not a huge contingent of Notre Dame fans, you know, right in the the South Bend area that's going to pack Notre Dame stadium. Notre Dame is heavily reliant on people flying in. Uh, you know, for the game and, uh, you know, making a, making a full weekend of it. And there's just, there's still a lot of people who are not, you're not there yet, who are not, you know, not doing, you know, non-essential, non-essential travel. And, you know, that's fine. And that's, um, you know, that's, but that's, that that's, I think a large part of the problem, uh, you know, when it comes to attendance for Notre Dame this year is I think, you know, when you, when you are as reliant upon out-of-state travelers, um, you know, as Notre Dame is for, you know, for, you know, for filling that stadium, I think that's a lot of uh you know of the reason obviously there's other factors that are going into this ticket prices uh just the drop in attendance to live sports you know in general um so i think it was very interesting to see notre dame taking a very proactive approach to trying to enhance 
the game day atmosphere and getting fans, uh, you know, to, to look at these night games as more of an event, uh, you know, than maybe they were in the past. And it's very interesting to look back 10 years ago and just see how far Notre Dame football has come in terms of just having night games. Right. Remember, 2011, that was like the that was the first night game in Notre Dame Stadium in years, because, you know, for for all that time, it was 20 or 30 years. There was just no night games, uh, you know, in it was over 20 years. Uh, there were just no night games, you know, at Notre Dame Stadium. So even, you know, some of the biggest games, you know, 93 Florida State was an at late afternoon kickoff. Uh, 2005 Notre Dame USC late afternoon kickoff because there just there weren't there weren't night games. And that, you know, that 2011 uh, that 2011 game, uh, you know, under the lights, uh, you know, at Notre Dame stadium was really kind of that first one in, in, in a long time. And, you know, since then they've just, they've added a lot to the stadium. Uh, they've added a lot to the, the experience that same 2011 USC game was also the infamous crazy train game where they played crazy train. I don't know how many times I was in the stands that night. Seemed like a hundred times they played crazy train, because it was also the first time they actually played music in the stadium, which seems novel now, right? You know, to, in 2021, like, oh, like every stadium plays, you know, plays music. No, early 2011 and 2010, Notre Dame Stadium, the only music you were hearing was, you know, was from the band. Um, so there wasn't any sort of piped in music. Um, and then just over the last 10 years, all of the enhancements that they've made, you know, with the, the, the Campus Crossroads project, that added the jumbotron, that enhanced, uh, you know, the uh, the audio system in the stand, so that when they did play, and you know, they did play music, you know, it sounded you know a lot better than that uh, than that first uh, that first night game uh, in you know in in two thousand uh, in two thousand eleven. But they've even added little things over the years, like the green fog as the team comes out of the tunnel, and and they've really done, I think, a very good job of of trying, you know, to create more more of an atmosphere and this latest uh you know this, this this latest you know third quarter to fourth quarter uh you know whatever you want to call it uh you know animation slash uh you know slash crowd engagement i think was awesome um i hope it's something that we see at every notre dame night game i hope they do things for day games moving forward as well you know, in between maybe in, in between third and fourth quarter to kind of build upon that, uh, to really get the crowd going. Uh, if you listen to the Inside the Garage podcast from, uh, you know, from the, a few of the Notre Dame players, they loved it. Um, and I think that is, that's the most important, right? I mean, not only, did, it's great that the fans love it, yes, but the players love it too. And the recruits love it. Um, and I think to anybody who saw that and was like, man, my day, we didn't need this. You know, we didn't need any gimmicks. People just can't, it's like, okay. It's not the 1970s anymore, right? Or the sixties. It's, you know, it's a different time. It's a different era. You need these kind of things in a stadium. If you want a, you know, a 17 or 18 year old recruit who's coming in to experience the game day atmosphere to leave and say, damn, that was cool. I want to be a part of that. Right. Sorry, but. 1812 overture is not going to win, win over, win over, win over a whole lot of recruits. Um, that doesn't mean you get rid of it. Obviously, you know, the traditions are critical and, and, and so important. Um, and, and part of what makes Notre Dame football as unique and special as it is. But I do think there, there's a nice fine balance that you can strike. I think Notre Dame's getting really good at striking that balance of, you know, keeping the old school traditions while also ushering in you know, some of these new age, uh, you know, these, these, these new age, I don't want to call them angles, but, um, you know, these, these new age elements into the game day atmosphere so that, you know, people leave and they say like, oh man, that was, yeah, the game was great, but you know, it was really cool. You know, when the lights went out and I started flickering and they did all this crazy stuff, uh, you know, between the third and, uh, third and fourth quarter. Uh, and if you follow any of the, you know, any of the sites out there that interview the, the recruits, you know, a lot of the recruits, you know, took note to it. Um, like I said, the players on, on the Inside the Garage podcast uh, all uh, all noted, you know, how great it was, how much energy it gave them, how they fed off of it. Um, and what's really interesting, too, is if you listen to that podcast, you know, following the Wisconsin game, they all said, like, whoa, when House of Pain came on, that was awesome. Uh, you know, for Wisconsin, they were like, that was something you know, half of the stands were jumping and we still felt it. And it was only half. Um, and they even said, they're like, yeah, we do the eighteen twelve overture, which was not, you know, back back when they were back to back, you know, uh, Wisconsin's really, uh, you know, re- really carried some, uh, you know, some weight to it. So 
hats off to you know whoever at Notre Dame, whether it's marketing or you know what, football operations, whoever's whoever's idea that was, great idea, excellent execution. Hope we continue, you know, we we continue to see it because Notre Dame does need to enhance, you know, the game day, the game day atmosphere. Need to really recreate, you know, a home field advantage, which sounds you know kind of weird to say since Notre Dame just had a really long home win streak snapped, but at the same time, you know. Not no, not a lot of opponents are coming into Notre Dame Stadium these days and saying, man, that was a really intimidating place to play. That was tough. And I think those are the kind of things that you could do to get the crowd into it uh, that really help to uh, help, help to create, you know, more of that uh, more of that environment. So, like I said, hopefully a lot more of that to uh, to come from Notre Dame uh, because it, uh, you know, again, everybody I know that that was there said it was, you know, it was phenomenal and said that the videos that we all saw for those of us who weren't there yeah, didn't even do it. Uh, didn't do it full justice. So great job by uh, you know by Notre Dame on uh, you know on that front. Moving over to the football front, you know, obviously coming off a big uh, big win over arch rival USC. Anytime you can beat the Trojans by 15 points, I think you're going to take that. There was a few frustrating elements of that game. Uh, you know, obviously some missed opportunities by Notre Dame that could have really ripped that game open. But hey, you still won by 15 points. Um, you know, part of the defensive strategy, I think felt more frustrating, you know, than it was. I know I certainly tweeted out some frustrations during the game, but in, uh, in retrospect, um, you know, when you look at USC only scoring 16 points relative to what they've done the rest of the season, pretty impressive, uh, you know, performance in, uh, you know, in, in that regard. So I think all in all, you know, there, there wasn't a whole lot of negative, Oops, there wasn't a whole lot of negative that came out uh, came out of that game, but there was a whole lot of positive. Um, now, granted, the one big, big, big negative was the unfortunate injury, you know, to Kyle Hamilton, and that's what's going to lead me into starting to talk about the North Carolina game. Is I think you know coming into this game, losing Kyle Hamilton and Brian Kelly, you know, confirmed on Monday, no, no Kyle Hamilton for Notre Dame, you know, this uh, you know th- this week. That to me is, like I said, the most important, sorry, the most uh, concerning element of, uh, you know, of this weekend is just, you know, you do have a team that can put up points coming into town with a quarterback that, you know, a lot of people look at as a first round talent and you are now taking away your best defensive player, uh, your your best player. So you're, you're taking away your best player, a consensus, you know, top five pick in next April's NFL, uh, you know, NFL draft. And it just so happens that he plays in the secondary and you're going up against a guy who, you know, like I said, is probably going to be a first round pick in his own right. Uh, so that's to me kind of the first you know, concern coming into, uh, coming into, to the game. Now, North Carolina has, uh, you know, vastly, uh, you know, underperformed, you know, this year, they lost a lot of talent to, to the NFL draft last year. Um, and unlike Notre Dame, which also lost a lot of talent to the NFL draft, they haven't been able to reload as much. Um, you know, so they started the season, like I said, top 10, and they're sitting now, they're sitting at four and three. Um, you know, they would love to be, you know, to, to be in Notre Dame's position of, uh, you know, of six and one at, uh, you know, at this point, but uh, they are kind of the, on the opposite side of this, right? Uh, so there is at least that element of, uh, kind of comfortability maybe, you know, so to speak, coming into, uh, you know, into into this game. But at the same time, the one thing that they can still do is they can put up points. Uh, and that obviously is a concern when you're missing a, uh, when you're missing a, uh, you know, a Kyle Hamilton. And you, you look at some of their point totals, uh, you know, they put up 59 points on Virginia. Now, Virginia is not known to be a very good defensive team this year, but they still put up 59 points, right? 59 points against a power five team is 59 points. However you slice it, uh, they put up 38 against Duke. Um, and they most recent game, they scored 45, you know, on, uh, on Miami. And again, Miami is not the most, uh, you know, uh, powerful, uh, you know, powerful of teams. They themselves have, uh, you know, their, uh, you know, their own issues. You know, they're sitting here at, uh, you know, at, uh, at two and five, but, um, again, 45 points is 45 points. Uh, and Notre Dame's going to have to find a way to slow down Sam Howell and the North Carolina, you know, offense without their best player. Now, the good news here is that, you know, they had to do that for the most part against USC because Hamilton got hurt pretty early, you know, in that game. And they had to adjust on the fly 
which is a, a heck of a lot harder than uh, you know you having an entire week to prepare. Flip side of that is USC also prepared all week to face uh, you know a defense that had all world safety Kyle Hamilton. North Carolina is going to have all week to say, well, how are we going to attack Notre Dame without their you know without without their best player? So it's slightly different uh, you know situation kind of coming into uh, coming into this one. But you know we did see DJ Brown really step up against uh, against USC. Was he Kyle Hamilton? No, but guess what? Spoiler alert: There's nobody on the Notre Dame roster that can do what Kyle Hamilton <laughs> can do. What Kyle Hamilton does, they haven't had anybody you know uh, like like Kyle Hamilton on the roster in you know in, in a really long time. You know, like they may, you know, Jalen Smith comes to mind where, you know, if they would have lost Jalen Smith at any point prior to the bowl game, you know, uh, in, in 2015, again, they wouldn't have had anybody who could, who could have filled in, um, you know, for, uh, you know, for Jalen, same with Kyle Hamilton. Um, now they're not going to get asked though, whoever fills in and whoever gets called upon is also, you know, not going to get asked, uh, to, uh, you know, to be able to, you know, to do exactly what, uh, what Kyle does. So Marcus Freeman is going to have a full week here to kind of tweak his defense and understand, you know, what, uh, you know, what, what is DJ Brown, you know, going to be able to, you know, to do well. Um, and then how do you build on that and, uh, and kind of limit what, uh, what maybe he's not going to be able to do, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to do as well. I think you're going to see, uh, obviously you're going to see a lot of him. Brian Kelly today said, we also might see some KJ Wallace, Xavier Watts, who had moved from receiver to rover earlier this year is now getting snaps at safety this week. And Brian Kelly actually said that Kyle Hamilton has kind of taken Watts under his wing a little bit this week and really been a player coach, um, you know, and helping him prepare. So we, you know, Kelly said we might see Watts play, you know, at safety this week, but Kelly also said we were probably going to see, you know, Watts play at rover earlier this year. And we really haven't seen him on defense. So who knows, you know, with, uh, with, with what's going to happen there. But I, I mean, I think in the secondary, you're just going to see a heavy dose of DJ Brown, and you're also going to see obviously a lot of Houston Griffith. Now, positive here is that last year against North Carolina, Notre Dame played the entire second half without Kyle Hamilton because of a targeting penalty. So they have a little bit of, uh, you know, experience in playing this, uh, playing Sam Howell and playing the Carolina offense without Kyle Hamilton. Now. Don't forget, though, different defensive coordinator, completely different defense, different personnel on Notre Dame side. And again, that was an in-game removal, so to speak, of, you know, of Kyle Hamilton. So North Carolina didn't have, you know, an entire week to kind of cook up ways to exploit the lack of Kyle Hamilton. They had halftime of that game to try to figure out how they could, uh, you know, how they could exploit the Notre Dame, uh, the Notre Dame defense. But a year ago when it happened, Houston Griffith played perhaps, you know, the best, uh, you know, the best, best game of his career, you know, in, uh, in a Notre Dame uniform was probably that North Carolina game last year, you know, on the road where he stepped in and, uh, you know, and really just had a, uh, you know, he had a great, uh, great game. So that's one of the biggest concerns though, you know, this week, obviously, uh, when, uh, you know, with, with uh, Carolina coming to town. I did ask for some questions, uh, you know, throughout uh, throughout the week. So what I did, what I tried to do when I outlined what I wanted to talk about today was I kind of interspersed them into uh, you know into my talk track here. Um, so the first one actually comes up uh, relative to you know to uh, you know to uh, to DJ Brown here. But uh, if you give me a second, I, I forgot to write down. Ah, here we go. Okay, so this one was from Robert um, Halecki. Uh, asked one, what nursery rhyme or song do you have stuck in your head? Uh, do you expect a repeat from Brown versus uh, you know North Carolina? And what would you tell Kyle to do for the rest of the season if he were your son? So one that's the first part of that is I actually don't really have any nursery rhymes uh, stuck in my head yet because most of what we've been listening to and, and having on for the little guy is my wife found all of these kind of current uh, like all right, current or famous you know, songs that are kind of re, uh, I don't know, reconfigured or whatever you called uh, or whatever you want to call it in music terms to sound like nursery rhymes. So we've listened to things like Queen and some other classic rock song that classic rock songs that are just, uh, kind of, you know, played as though they are, they are, they are nursery rhymes. So for any, uh, you know, expecting parents or parents who aren't aware that those things exist, it's kind of awesome. So I would, uh, I would, I would highly recommend, uh, highly recommend those, 
Um, but uh, that, that's primarily what we've been uh, listening to with the little guy. Um, on to the football question. Do you expect a repeat from Brown uh, versus North Carolina? And then what would, uh, what would I tell Kyle you know, if he were my son for the rest of the way? So first part, I think yes. I think, um, you know, for the most part, DJ Brown's played pretty damn good this year. He started off the season really rough, uh, you know, with that missed tackle in the Florida State game. And I think that's what a lot of people, you know, remember from DJ Brown. But since that point, he's really rebounded and played a whole lot better. Um, so I do think you're going to see him play pretty well, you know, this weekend. Like I said, he's not going to probably confuse anybody, uh, you know, that, that that he's Kyle Hamilton, but no one's really, no one's really expecting that, uh, expecting that either. So I think you're going to see a good, sound football game, you know, from, uh, you know, from DJ Brown this weekend. Second part is what would you tell Kyle to do for the rest of the season if he were your son? Um, and that's a fascinating, uh, you know, question to, uh, you know, to to, to contemplate. And I honestly, I mean, it is a very tough question to answer because one, none of us really know the full extent of the, you know, the injury. We know Brian Kelly has said it's not, it doesn't appear to be very serious, but you know, none of us have seen the MRI. Hell, if I saw the MRI, I wouldn't wouldn't know what the hell I'm looking at either. But um, none of us really know kind of all of the, you know, all of the details. I think I would say, though, if it is an injury that, you know, poses no, you know, recurring threat um, or, you know, threat of, uh, you know, re-injuring it and, and hurting it worse. And he's fully cleared, um, you know, to play the rest of, uh, you know, to play the rest of the year. There's still, especially as long as Notre Dame's winning, right? Now, let's say Notre Dame drops this game and maybe he can't play against Navy. And for, you know, whatever reason, Notre Dame were to drop the Navy game, which I just can't, I could see potentially Notre Dame losing this weekend. I can't fathom them losing to Navy. Um, but let's say that happened and now he's ready to return and Notre Dame is six and three and you're looking at at best the Cheez-Its bowl, right? Then it's like, well, do you make the business decision to just say, maybe I just rest this thing, um, you know, for, uh, you know, for the, for the rest of the season. But I think as long as Notre Dame's winning, as long as there's something to play for, and as long as that injury does not, you know, pose any sort of long-term risk, I think, uh, I would personally say, you know, play. I think that's what we're going to see Kyle Hamilton do. Uh, you know, he is a very big team guy. He's a captain for a reason. The team looks up to him. I think you will. I, I, I again, I don't know the the medical, uh, you know, extent of you know of the injury, but um, just what we know of Kyle Hamilton from the last two plus years. I think if he's able to play again this year, you know, we are, uh, you know, we are going to uh, we are going to see him again. So moving on uh, now to, you know, that we got rid of the kind of the biggest, um, you know, the biggest concern of, uh, you know, of the, uh, you know, of the week. There's there's a couple other areas of this game that concern me. And this is one week where I do really wish, you know, Greg were here to be able to talk me off the ledge because Greg's really good at doing that. Um, and uh, and kind of just reassuring me, you know, with uh, with some data. Since as all of you who follow both of us on Twitter, I'm sure know, Greg is the much more rational of uh, of this duo. I am the much more emotional of the uh, you know of the of the two. But um, a couple other things that do worry me this week. One of them is Sam Howell's running ability. Um, again, saying on the defensive side of the ball and offensively, yeah, I personally some concerns on you know the, the new look offense that we saw you know, last, uh, you know, last week and just how, you know, sustainable, uh, sustainable that might be. But uh, I'm going to grab a, a swig of beer here and then we're going to talk about the, you know, Sam Howell's, uh, Sam Howell's running ability. Okay. It's getting better as I go. So that's, uh, that's also probably a sign of, you know, just drinking a 10% alcoholic beer, but, um, Sam Howell's a pretty good runner. Um, and I mean, that might actually be, be underselling, you know, Sam Howell, uh, by saying he's just a pretty good runner, um, you know, on this season, and we actually had a question about this, so I could intersperse that one right now too. On the season, Sam Howell, uh, he has rushed for, I just had it up here. If you give me a second and bear with me here. All right. So on the season, yeah, he's rushed for, you know, over 600 yards, uh, 600 yards this year. He's got 316 of those yards on scramble, uh, coming via scramble plays. 
and 350 you know via designed runs which is a pretty interesting split that it's almost 50 50 of how he's getting getting things done you know on the ground via the design runs and the and the scramble yards reason this concerns me is we've seen notre dame have issues containing mobile quarterbacks you know this year uh, specifically, I'm thinking of the Virginia Tech game where Braxton Burmeister, you know, he only had 49 yards, but he got it on 10 carries and he seemingly picked up just big first downs, you know, with his legs. Most important, or, you know, the biggest of which was that 18 yard scramble on third and 15 that he took in for a touchdown that gave, uh, you know, Virginia Tech an eight point lead. You know, that was an area where everybody knew he was hurt. You know, his shoulder was 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 hurting and he probably wasn't going to be able to get much on a throw at that point. So when nothing was there, he just took off and there was no contain. And part of the problem was because, you know, in part because Isaiah Foskey is so good at, you know, at rushing the, you know, the quarterback a lot of times this year, he's getting pressure from his side and there's nobody on the other side and it's just opening up some running lanes. Um, we saw it against Virginia Tech. We saw it uh, to a much lesser um, extent, actually, against um, against Cincinnati. But we saw it even in the week one uh, against Florida State with Jordan Travis, where he was able to do some things with his, uh, you know, with his legs on the the Notre Dame defense. So that does worry me. Uh, you know, this uh, you know this year, or sorry, this uh, you know this weekend, um, in terms of uh, you know just how North Carolina. You know, could uh, you know could conceivably um, you know win uh, you know you know come in and, and pull off the uh, pull off the upset here, which is I mean, from the odds makers' perspective, wouldn't be a huge upset, which feels weird given where both teams are at. Um, Notre Dame is a three and a half point favorite as of Thursday afternoon, which is surprising to me. But hell, it was surprising to me when Notre Dame was only about a touchdown favorite at uh, you know at Florida State. And then, you know, the Seminoles, Seminoles covered and, uh, you know, and that game went into, uh, you know, into overtime. So, uh, you, you know, you look at all the data and you think, well, Notre Dame should be more than a three and a half point favorite to, uh, you know, to North Carolina. But, hey, that is uh, that that's the line. Um, so it's not a huge line. Um, so it wouldn't be a huge upset, at least in, in that regard. If the Tar Heels were to be able to come in, uh, come in and win, but if they if they are able to, you know, to give Notre Dame problems, I think Sam Howell is going to do a lot of it with his legs. That was really what killed Notre Dame against Virginia Tech when Burmeister started to convert some things with his legs and opened up, uh, you know, a lot of other things for the Hokie offense, which again is not nearly as good of an offense as you know as North Carolina's, and they were able to do some things. Uh, you know, on Notre, uh, on the Notre Dame uh, on the Notre Dame defense, so that's another worry. Uh, you know, something else I, I should say that worries me. Uh, you know, this weekend is just uh, you know Sam Howell's ability to to scramble um, and and hurt the uh, the Notre Dame uh, Notre Dame defense. Uh, also, again, without the design runs is a is a big element as well because he's got over 300 yards on design runs this year too. So we'll see uh, how uh, Notre Dame uh, accounts. For Sam Howell's legs, they did a great job of doing that, uh, you know, last year. But again, that was a different defense. That was a different defensive coordinator. So, um, you know, how much of that carries over this year? Uh, we'll see. Um, this is a very different, uh, very different defense. Um, last year's defense being a little bit more of a, you know, keep the points down, bend don't break type style. This year's being much more, at least, you know, philosophically. Uh, being much more aggressive. Now we did see the Notre Dame defense play a little more bend, don't break, keep the points down type style against USC. That's what made last week's defensive performance so frustrating as a fan. Um, and if you think back to the Clark Lee years, there were a lot of games where the defense felt very frustrating. And then you look up and you're like, oh, they got 10 points. They're not, you're not going to lose a lot of games when you give up 10 points, right? Um, that was, you know, the Clark Lee style of defense. That's kind of what we saw last week. Uh, you know, they were like, hey, let Drake London catch a bunch of balls two, three yards from the line of scrimmage, get some yards after the catch, but nothing deep. Granted, he did get behind the defense there, that one play for about a 44-yarder, 45-yarder, something along those lines. Um, but otherwise, Notre Dame kept everything in front of them. Uh, they were a little bit more conservative. 
I didn't really get at Ke- they got at Keaton Slovis very early in the game, but then not as much as the the game wore on until the very end when Foskey came in and recorded uh, you know his second sack of the game on uh, on USC's uh, on USC's last um, you know last drive. But an, an aggressive defense against uh, you know this kind of offense uh, you know can sometimes lead itself to uh, you know it's a couple big plays here and there. And we saw that happen earlier this year. Notre Dame, for the most part, has eliminated those big plays. Um, but that would be a concern, you know, kind of coming in, uh, coming into this one. Moving over to the offensive side of the ball, you know, we saw a very different Notre Dame offense against USC last week, where it was very much a up tempo offense, get the ball out, you know, short passes, let the receivers do a little bit of work after. You know, after the catch, they still took a couple shot plays. Granted, none of them really hit. One of them resulted in an interception that actually should have been a reception as we see more and more angles of it, uh, referring to the one that Chris Steele got credit for an interception, even though, um, you know, video replay kind of showed that Kevin Austin caught the ball, pinned it against Steele's chest, basically, and then Steele just kind of pulled his hands in on top of it as they were coming down. And they gave credit to Steele for the interception. At worst, that is simultaneous possession and should have been Notre Dame's ball. At best, it was a clean catch, uh, you know, by by Kevin Austin. But I digress. We know the officials from the Pac-12 suck, so uh, no need to uh, to go too deep, you know, into uh, you know into that. Uh, kind of point being here, though. Again, that was a very different look than Notre Dame has shown all year. We kind of expected it, right? Because you saw how what Jack Cohn was really good at. You know, in the final four minutes against Virginia Tech, kind of what we saw at the beginning of the Florida State game. And when you started putting the puzzle pieces together last week of knowing that Jack Cohn was going to start, it was like, well, if you have a week off to prepare for USC, you know, they're probably going to come out and do a lot of what Jack Cohn's been good at and hopefully eliminate what he's been bad at. And it's exactly what they did. Now, the concern for me there is, again, now North Carolina knows, okay, this is what Notre Dame is going to try to do. They will probably try to come out defensively, you know, play a lot, uh, you know, play a lot of zone, try to take away passing lanes, uh, try to take away the short passing game from, you know, from uh, from Cone and Notre Dame and see how Notre Dame responds. Um, How they respond, I'm not sure. Um, You know, USC tried to do a lot of that, too. But again, they were trying to do it a little bit on the, uh, you know, a little bit on the fly. Um, versus again having a full week to uh, you know to prepare for it, but it'll be interesting to see if that is exactly what Notre Dame does again this week, um, and if they do, uh, you know, is it sustainable? Is it something that you know they could do, um, you know, for the rest of the year? Because if it works again this week, it's going to work probably the rest of the year, um, and that would be <laughs> that would be great because Notre Dame's offense looked you know as good as we've seen it look you know, all year, uh, you know, last week against, uh, against USC, five different drives over 70 yards. Not all of them led to points, but um, we saw a lot of sustained offense from the, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, from the, from the Irish, uh, Irish offense. Now, again, kind of sprinkling in questions throughout, um, you know, we have one here from Clutch Sports Notre Dame relative to quarterbacks and said, you know, Cone did good things. However, I still don't buy that he's better. Uh, you know, the up-tempo is clearly better for him. He had an okay QBR against a bad USC defense. The questions, you know, has Cone actually improved? Should Buckner get a chance to play against a bad defense to grow as a QB? So great questions here from Clutch Sports, you know, Notre Dame. Uh, Did Cone improve? I don't know that he improved, uh, you know, so to speak, against USC. I think what happened is the Notre Dame coaching staff and Tommy Reese improved their calling, you know, relative to Jack Cohn's strengths and what he's been good at, uh, you know, all year long. Brian Kelly spoke a couple weeks ago about how Cohn was still really adjusting to Notre Dame's offense in terms of taking all of his, his snaps out of the shotgun after being under center for, you know, the rest of his career at Wisconsin. And, you know, you kind of see, you, you saw that, you know, kind of, to a, to a certain extent of, you know, he would get, you know, it, 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 I should say it helps make sense of those times where it seemed like Cone stepped into pressure or just wasn't that comfortable in the pocket. And it's because he hadn't spent as much time in the shotgun as he, you know, as he has at, uh, you know, at Notre Dame. 
So I think what we saw was that you saw a coaching staff really get to know the strengths of their player a little bit better. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we saw uh, the results, uh, you know, the, the results of that, uh, you know, last week in terms of, uh, yeah, just a, a more efficient, uh, efficient offense. Now, granted, there were still some points left on the board. You know, if Kevin Austin catches that pass, uh, you know, on the first drive, again, Notre Dame, you know, maybe that game is, is even, uh, you know, not, not even as close as it ended up being. Uh, we saw the drive that started at the four, that ill-fated drive that started at the four that resulted in a field goal because I don't really know what uh, Tommy Reese's thought process was um, and Brian Kelly's thought process was there in terms of putting Cone in if you were going to just run the ball uh, because that seemed like a, a situation tailor-made for you know for uh, for Tyler Buckner. Um, and speaking of Buckner, the second part of that question was should he get a chance to play you know against a bad defense to grow as a quarterback? I think you're going to see him play a lot more. Um, not easy to this week. And I think you're also going to just see that throughout kind of the course of the rest of the season, but specifically this weekend, North Carolina has had some trouble against, uh, against mobile quarterbacks, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, this year, Jordan Travis, uh, you know, hurt him, uh, you know, earlier this year when Florida state beat them. Um, so, you know, there is, uh, kind of some evidence here of, uh, North Carolina, just having trouble, uh, you know, stopping, uh, stopping quarterbacks who, uh, you know, who can, uh, you know, who can, uh, who can run the ball. So I think we will see a little bit more, you know, Tyler Buckner. Um, and if we look, I mean, at that, in that Florida state game alone, uh, Jordan Travis had 14 carries, 121 yards and two touchdowns, uh, against that North Carolina, uh, North Carolina defense while they scored 35 points. Um, and again, Florida state, is not a great team. Uh, we know that. And granted, we took them to overtime. However, the um, you know, point there being that, uh, you know, they did that just a few weeks ago. And um, that is still kind of, uh, you know, the defense that they are. Uh, and another one of their losses this year to Georgia Tech, um, they gave up, let's see, what was it to Jeff Sims? Jeff Sims ran 10 times for 128 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, in, uh, in the second game, uh, or sorry, not in the second game in, uh, in one of their other losses, uh, one of their other losses this year. So knowing that, and, and I mean that, that alone, I personally hope the I mean, I'm sure the Notre Dame coaching staff noticed that as well. So I hope we're going to see more Buckner this week and I hope we see him, uh, you know, his package expand. I thought it was great the way that they used him last week, um, in terms of letting him pass to start and then run. Uh, the only thing I didn't like was that he didn't go in the game when Notre Dame got the ball at the four-yard line. Uh, they should have put him in and let him just – if you were going to – in that situation, I would have been fine with running three straight Tyler Buckner runs. Um, and if you, you kick the field goal there, then so what? Um, USC wasn't going to stop Buckner uh, or or giving it to Kyron there, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, with, uh, with, with Buckner in the game. Having – uh, Jack Cohn handoff to Tyler Buckner, or sorry, to uh, to Kyron Williams, out of the shotgun from the four yard line is just one of the most pointless things in the world uh, because nobody is nobody is expecting Jack Cohn to you know to keep that. Maybe Cohn shocks us all and he keeps one of those and he walks into the end zone this week. That would be amazing, but we just you know we uh, you know we we have not have not seen that uh, you know to uh, you know to date, but we'll see. Um. Other things we wanted to chat through this week. And actually, before I go into the reasons not to worry, um, doing a lot of talking, not a lot of drinking. So it's time for, uh, for another uh, nice big gulp of this, uh, this tasty beer. Mm. Yeah, definitely going down good. All right, right about 42 minutes. So I got, um, I'm going to talk about some reasons not to worry. We're going to talk about some freshman contributions this year. And we got to wrap this up um, and hopefully set things up nicely for the podcast that Greg is going to record later tonight um, with Ashton uh, Pollard of uh, of On Three from uh, you know from that uh, that new uh, new recruiting network. She is, does some great coverage of uh, college football in general, but also of uh, you know of the Irish. We had her on in the preseason, so I'm sure that podcast is going to be great. 
Um, but in terms of reasons not to worry to this weekend, folks, one, I mean, we think our offensive line is bad. The North Carolina offensive line is just as bad. I mean, it's worse, actually, I should say, because Notre Dame's offensive line has at least shown some signs of life, uh, you know, over the, uh, you know, over the last few weeks. And I, that's actually probably understating it. They've, they've done more than shown signs of life. Um, the offensive line has really taken a step forward, um, you know, the last few weeks here with Joe Alt at left tackle and Andrew Christoffic at left guard. Um, they were great against, uh, you know, USC. I think there's only one sack allowed by the offensive line, which is a huge step forward after what we were seeing, um, we were seeing earlier this year. North Carolina's offensive line is is not uh, not good. Um, they right now rank 123rd overall in the country in sacks allowed uh, this year. Uh, North Carolina's only played two real uh, two real road games this year. You know, at Virginia Tech, at Georgia Tech, lost them both, and in those two games, they gave up 14 sacks. Right. So as bad as our offensive line has been, it has not been to that level of bad at all, uh, you know, this year. And what we have seen, you know, we've seen Notre Dame be able to generate pressure without having to blitz. We saw it early on against USC, uh, you know, where Jason Adamiola had the sack on the first drive and then got pressure um, on the third down, you know, as uh, you know, as well on that drive to force that three and out to start uh to start the game, uh, or at least to start uh, the you know the game on the USC side of the ball, so I think you're going to be able to see you're going to see Notre Dame get pressure. Um, I mean, Isaiah Foskey is up to eight sacks this year, second in the country. He could get another pair this weekend um, and really have Justin Tuck's uh, uh, program record of 13 and a half in his sights. Uh, you know, by uh, by late uh, late Saturday night. So that is one very uh, you know big reason not to worry. Um, you know, kind of building off of that, you know, they gave up 14 sacks on the, you know, in those two games on the road this year, they've also lost their only two road games, uh, you know, of the year one, they lost at, you know, Virginia tech. Um, and then the other, they lost, you know, at Florida state again, Notre Dame played both of those teams close, but Notre Dame went into both of those, um, you know, environments came out, you know, with a win. So, uh, I think that, again, that gives us reason, uh, you know, a little bit of reason not to worry uh, as much uh, with this game, uh, you know, being you know, at home. The road woes are not new for North Carolina. If you look at them last year, uh, their, their road games last year were a close win over Boston College, four-point win. Uh, they lost to Florida State by three. They lost to Virginia last year on the road, uh, you know, by three. <laughs> they... The one really good road game they had was they did beat the heck out of Miami, uh, you know, 62 to, uh, you know, to 26 there on December, uh, December 12th. But, uh, you know, the, the road woes um, are not new for, uh, you know, for this team. So that gives me reason to be a little to be encouraged because this game will be at home, obviously, for, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, for the Irish. And lastly, here for reasons not to worry, is that I already mentioned this. North Carolina's had trouble containing, you know, mobile quarterbacks. So I think if you see a little bit more of a dose of Tyler Buckner this weekend, he really has the opportunity to, uh, you know, to put up, uh, you know, a nice, uh, you know, a nice performance. We'll see how uh, Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly juggle the quarterbacks, uh, you know, this week. I was actually surprised we didn't see more of Buckner last week. Specifically in the second half, because once Notre Dame built, you know, a, a two-score lead, um, you know, against that defense, against USC's defense, it really just felt like, okay, this team, you know, th- this is defense they could run on with Buckner in the game. So why not put Buckner in and let, you know, let him really, you know, run, you know, run, the, run the ball and and you know, hand off to, uh, you know, to 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 Kyron, uh, who would become much more effective with him in the game, but. We didn't see a whole lot of that. Hopefully we see more of that, you know, this weekend because Carolina, again, trouble with the mobile quarterback or with the, you know, with the, uh, with the mobile quarterbacks. Um, so that seems like a great opportunity, you know, for the, uh, you know, for the Irish this weekend. And I think, let's see. Yeah. I'm just making sure I checked off all of the questions. Um, last topic I wanted to talk about just in general, um, it's just the freshman, you know, contributions. Cause I've already mentioned a couple of them. Uh, on, uh, you know, on this little recording here, 
I have uh, an article that's actually hopefully going to go live later tonight if I could finish it up um, that just talks about, you know, the, the Brian Kelly won't play freshman narrative has really, really taken a hit this year uh, because a lot of freshmen are contributing in big ways, you know, for uh, you know, for Notre Dame, uh, you know, for, for Notre Dame so far this year, we already talked about Buckner. I think you're only going to see his, uh, you're going to see his, uh, role expand over the next few weeks. Again, my opinion, um, but outside of him, I mean, you look at the left tackles, I mentioned Joe Alt helping stabilize the, the offensive line. But if you think what's crazy is Notre Dame never had, Notre Dame never had a, a true freshman start at left tackle to start a season, um, and not only did they have a true freshman start, they had a true freshman eventually replace him when he got hurt. Um, granted, they had to go through a couple iterations there to get to Joe Alt. But now you have a true freshman who was recruited by some programs as a tight end just a year ago uh, or a year and a half ago, uh, you know, playing, uh, you know, playing left tackle and playing pretty damn well. Um, so future looks just so bright, um, you know, at the tackle positions you know, for Notre Dame, because when Fisher comes back um, and Fisher kind of hinted, you know, that that he's getting close, uh, you know, with a with, with a tweet, you know, earlier this week. And Brian Kelly kind of threw a little bit of cold water on that today. He did say that uh, that Blake Fisher is ahead of schedule in his rehabilitation, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get back on the field, um, you know, this year. So we'll see if, if Fisher does. But man, when Fisher's back and you have Fisher and Alt, bookending this offensive line for, I mean, you know, the next two seasons after this, at least, um, because obviously if you're starting this early, you know, you, uh, the, the opportunity to leave early is going to be there, but still, man, exciting times. Uh, when you think about the future of the offensive line, and I know the beginning of this year was tough. Um, but it does seem like we've gotten to a better spot and we've definitely gotten to a spot where, down the road, things look pretty damn good for this uh, for this offensive line. So maybe, just maybe, the demise of Jeff Quinn has been greatly overstated. Um, and on that note, you know, I, earlier this week, Tommy Kramer was elevated from practice squad for the Detroit Lions, uh, you know, to the to the active roster, which means now officially four Notre Dame offensive linemen from the 2020 starting lineup are on active NFL rosters. It's pretty damn good, folks. Pretty damn, uh, pretty damn good. But outside of those, you know, those two and, and Buckner, um, you know, among the freshman class, you look at the receivers, which I think the narrative really reached kind of a fever pitch last year uh, because Jordan Johnson wasn't playing. Xavier Watts, you know, wasn't playing. And everybody's like, where are the freshman receivers? Where are the freshman receivers? And, you know, I will take you know, the, you know, my, my own blame here. I was saying it too, in articles that I was writing, I was like, well, where are these guys? Right. Jordan Johnson was a top 100, top 50 recruit, five-star recruit on some services. Why wasn't he on the field? Well, guess what folks, a year later, he's at UCF and he has just as many catches for UCF this year as he did for Notre Dame last year with zero. So, you know, he's not making an impact at UCF. I mean, I think he is playing a little bit, but he's not impacting, you know, impacting the game. So maybe it wasn't the coaching staff is all I'm saying in, in, in those, um, you know, in that, in that, uh, in that regard. Um, but now you're looking at Lorenzo Styles and Dion Colsey who have both kind of been thrust a little bit more into prominent roles, partly by injury and, and some transfers, but both of them recorded their first catch of their careers in week two. So they were on the field early. That was a close game. It wasn't like they got into a blowout and caught a couple gimmies. They were in, in crunch time in a big game week two. Um, I shouldn't say it wasn't really a big game, but it was a big, in, it was a big situation, um, you know, where, where the game was on the line and they were, you know, they were in the game and they were playing. And now, I mean, styles was great against USC. He showed a glimpse of what he can do with the ball in his hands. I only hope we see more of that again over the next five games. I think that is his game. That is what he is going to be really good at. Um, you know, initially almost like that kind of, you know, like golden Tate was early in his career. Cause they, they kind of have similar ish backgrounds in that they didn't really play in high, you know, in, in prolific passing offenses in high school, but you get them the ball and they're going to make things happen. So I hope we see, you know, Notre Dame get the ball to styles, uh, you know, quickly and let him, uh, let him make some plays, you know, after, uh, you know, after the catch, 
Colsey stepping up, uh, you know, as well, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, in that regard, he had a nice catch, uh, you know, last week. Um, and is again, it, it looks like, uh, he is just going to, uh, uh, you know, only you know, kind of in, uh, you know, improve, uh, you know, improve from here. And let's see, there was one question relative. Yes. Okay. Robbie. Oh man. Nee. Ooh. Nian Nianabar. Nianabar. I probably messed up your last name. Sorry about that, Robbie. Um, but um <laughs> yeah. Um he asks, uh, you know, who leads the team in receiving yards this week? I think it'll be a freshman again. I don't actually, I think you're gonna see Mayor, Michael Mayer, lead the team in receiving this week. Uh a surprise we didn't last week. Uh maybe it was his first game, you know, first game back from the injury. But I think you're gonna see Mayer have a big game um against the uh, against the Tar Heels. But I think you're going to see Styles, uh, you know, still get, uh, still have a few, uh, a few good, uh, a, a few good plays, you know, this week, uh, and his role hopefully only, uh, only expands from here. Uh, you see the the running backs in the freshman class, you know, Logan Diggs, um, you know, again he ran, he he got some play against Virginia Tech primarily because of injuries, uh, you know. However, last week, you know, Sebo Flemister was available, and he and and Sebo both had three carries. So he had about the same, he had the exact same number of carries as, um, you know, as Sebo. So he is forcing his way, you know, his way onto the field. Audric Estime, it, you know, kind of played kind of like an H-back role last week, uh, you know, where he was, um, you know, uh, in, in, in goal line situations. So I think uh, you'll, you'll probably see more of that. Brian Kelly said, you're, we're going to see, uh, see more of that. So both of them forced their way on the field. Mitchell Evans has been playing a lot at the, at the tight end position. Um, it's just a lot of freshmen and the, the notion that Brian Kelly is not going to play freshmen is really kind of getting blown out of the water, uh, you know, out of the, uh, out of the water this year, uh, with, uh, with the contributions and it should have been blown out of the water last year, right? Chris Tyree was a major p- focus point of the, the Notre Dame offense as a true freshman. Michael Mayer was a major focus point of the Notre Dame offense as a true freshman. Uh, Clarence Lewis, uh, ended up starting a corner, uh, you know, down the stretch as a, you know, as a true freshman. So if anything, what we're learning um, and what we're, what we're just not even learning, but what is being, you know, reiterated to us is that if a true freshman comes in and is ready to play, you know, the staff will play them. Uh, but there's an expectation they got to meet. And when they meet it, they, uh, they'll get on the field. So, um, and what's crazy is we're not even seeing, we haven't even really seen anything from Prince Kali yet. Um, and a lot of the other pods, uh, you know, from the beat have kind of mentioned that, you know, when he was out for COVID earlier this year, it really, really set him back. So, you know, hopefully as he, you know, gets more and more, you know, uh, you know, back, uh, you know, back up to full speed and, um, and, and gets more and more reps, we will see him more over the final five games. If for nothing else, because poor JD Bertrand just doesn't need to be playing, you know, 98% of the snaps, you know, every week, uh, you know, he's been great. Don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, I think we, you know, for, for his sake, you know, get the poor guy some, some rest and, uh, and, and so he doesn't have to play every, uh, you know, every snap. All right. Wow. Still, I'm just at an hour here or just under an hour here. So what I'm going to do is I got two stats that I hope, hopefully make, uh, make, make some of y'all feel better. And one random question, uh, you know, that wasn't necessarily Notre Dame related, uh, that I'll uh, that I'll ask here, and we'll wrap this, uh, you know, wrap this up. But um, yeah, two stats to make everybody hopefully feel better this week. And actually, before that, let's take a sip of the uh, of the cerveza. Hmm. Okay, that was a big sip because I got a lot. I actually have a lot left because I didn't work too many breaks in for myself here. Um, God, I should have known that once I started talking to myself here on a podcast, I wouldn't shut the hell up. So here we are. Um, but, uh, two stats left to make you feel better this week. One 37 straight wins for Notre Dame over unranked opponents. Last I checked four and three, North Carolina was unranked second stat 38 straight, uh, wins for Notre Dame in games in which they have scored 30 or more points, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, this season. So UVA scored over 30, Georgia Tech scored over 30, Florida State scored over 30, Miami scored over 30 against this North Carolina defense. I think Notre Dame is going to score over 30 on this, uh, on this defense, uh, you know, as well, um, before, uh, before this one is all said and done. 
And with that, I got one random question here. Um, and this is from this is from Nick Buckholtz. Random, not Notre Dame related, but uh, clearly follows my Twitter and or, or or listens to the pod. So thank you, Nick. Um, he says one thing that happened in the last week that nobody prepared you for, and then in parentheses asking for soon to be dad. So this is a great question because I've been I got asked something similar last week. Um, I think it was by Jude from uh, from One Foot Down. And there hasn't been a whole lot, and I don't want to jinx myself here, but there hasn't been a whole lot that has just been like, oh, man, that's terrible. I had no idea that was coming. Um, yeah, that's because, one, I have a lot. Most of my friends, I'm one of my last last of my friend group, you know, to, uh, to start having babies here. So they did they did a good job, you know, kind of preparing me. My wife is also a great planner, so she had us watch a lot of videos ahead of time that really helped prepare us, you know, for all that's happened. One thing that I would say I wasn't quite, you know, prepared for was, you know, everybody tells you like one, you know, catch up on your sleep. Don't, you know, get, get your sleep now. You're not going to be able to. And, and to an extent that's true uh, or that's been true, but also knock on wood, our little guy's been a pretty good sleeper, you know, through the night and, and been pretty kind to us in that regard. But the one thing that I think has surprised me the most is your days just kind of fly by. And it's just kind of like one long continuous cycle of doing the same thing over and over of like, okay, you know, little guy gets up, you change him, you know, he feeds, uh, you probably got to change him again. Uh, he sleeps for a little bit and then you look down and you're like, you finally get him back down and you're like, wait, we got to do this all over again in like a half an hour, or 45 minutes, whatever it is. Um, and it's just kind of like this long continuous cycle. And I don't know, for me, it just, it feels like most days I look down and I'm like, oh shit, it's four o'clock. It's five o'clock already, right? Or whatever time it is. And you're like, oh man, I, where did this day go? And you're like, oh, all right. I guess, I guess, you know, that's, this is what, this is what we just do for now. So I'd say that's the only thing that's kind of surprised me so far. Um, again, I know I'm probably jinxing myself, uh, you know, by, uh, you know, by saying that and tempting fate, but, uh, that's the only thing I would say so far that's been just like totally surprising. Um, kind of everything else. I think again, I've had friends and family, uh, Prepare me well. So on that note, folks, I got like a sip of beer left, uh, maybe two sips if I uh, if I take this one small. I'm going to make a prediction. I haven't really written out all my thoughts on this yet. As you could probably tell, this was almost like a stream of consciousness coming at you. So hopefully you like this, first of all. If you guys don't, just drop a note in our, you know, when we tweet this out. Um, let us know. I don't, I don't need to do the solo pods, uh, you know, until Greg and I can, uh, can meet again during the week, but, um, it was fun to just kind of sit here and, and, uh, uh, and spitball a lot of thoughts about, uh, about the Irish this week. But, um, yeah, let us know if you liked it. Um, if you liked it or not, I hope you did. Cause it is kind of fun to get away a little bit here, have a beer and just, uh, just talk Notre Dame football. But, um, you know, in terms of predictions, I, you know, all week long, I actually messaged Greg earlier this week. And I was like, Greg, I don't feel good about this game. And he was like, okay, Frank, why? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I just, it's just a feeling. I just got a bad feeling about this one, Greg. And he was like, well, okay, right? Ed, and this is why it would have been good. It would have been good for Greg, for Greg and I to be able to, to, to talk this one out because he probably would have done, he would have done a great job of spitting more, even more positive, you know, facts and stats at me. And I'd be ready for Bama by now if, uh, you know, if he were here to, uh, you know, to, uh, to, uh, to egg me on. But, um, I did feel not great about this game to start this, this week. Um, and then as the week has gone on, I've started to feel better and better about it. You know, North Carolina, they got some firepower they're, but they're not a great team. They can put up points, you know, in bunches. We've seen it, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, this year. Haven't really done it against a good defense. I kind of feel like if Kyle Hamilton were playing this week, I would feel like this would be a blowout. Uh, but he's not. Uh, North Carolina's got some time to prepare for that. I feel like this one could be close at halftime, and it, it might be. It, it could actually be somewhat similar to you know like the USC game, or maybe even like that Stanford game from 2018, where it was kind of a close game. Notre Dame was always kind of in control, but North Carolina was always just kind of there. And then at the end, it was like it's like boom, boom, boom. Oh, oh shit! Notre Dame actually wins this one, uh, you know, comfortably. So I'm gonna say my prediction for this game is going to be. Notre Dame 38, North Carolina 24. 
So 14 point win for the Irish at home. Um, you know, I think 24 points is reasonable, uh, you know, for a Sam Howell led offense with, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, with, the with the week off and with, um, you know, without Kyle Hamilton there, that might actually even be generous because, well, let's see. I mean, they scored 10 against Virginia tech in a loss. They scored 22 in a loss against Georgia tech and they scored 25 against Florida state. So that would be right in line with what they, how they've performed in their, you know, in their losses this year. So let's go with it, right? Let's go. Notre Dame 38, North Carolina, 24 Irish by 14 improving to seven and one on the, you know, on the, on the season and, and keeping the, the hopes for an 11 and one campaign alive, uh, you know, for one more, you know, for another week. All right, folks, I'm going to wrap up there. There's no reviews to read because you all stopped leaving us reviews. So, I implore you all to leave us some reviews. Let us know again, if you're digging this whole like back and forth with, we do one at a time. Uh, you know, I do one, Greg does one, Greg usually gets a guest, but, um, uh, you know, if, if, if you enjoy this or, or, or if not, but keep the reviews coming, keep the ratings coming in. We do appreciate them. As you know, we read them as we, you know, as we record. So we greatly appreciate them when you, uh, you know, when you do, uh, when you do leave them subscribe to us, do all that fun stuff again, that people do with podcasts, share, share them out, um, you know, help us kind of, you know, spread the word and hopefully folks, Greg and I have to confirm, but I think we're going to be able to do a post game pod together. So that'll be fun. Uh, but, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with me alone here for the last hour, uh, a little over an hour. So I appreciate, uh, appreciate you all listening. I appreciate the questions. Uh, you know, as always, go Irish and let's get another victory this week. Thanks, everybody.